Doing good? While we're trying to figure out this, uh, this PowerPoint, I want to share a bathroom stall proverb with you guys. If you go into the bathroom stall, there's just, in the men's room, there's a ton of wisdom. I just wanted to share a little bit of it with you this, this evening. Um, it says, this is, this is profound. Get saved today, not tomorrow. <laughs> Get saved today, not tomorrow. You might die tomorrow. I'm, t- I'm telling you, that's some serious, that's, that's some serious wisdom right there. So if you don't know the Lord, man, heed the wisdom of the men's bathroom stall. There's value and truth in that. Okay, so tonight, we're gonna, we're gonna continue our study of the enduring Christian, right? Because the enduring Christian endures at all times, in all things. And so over the last few days, we've been looking at the necessary steps uh, to, to be an enduring Christian. Right? And so when we think of the word, at least when I think of the word endure, um, I can't help but consider endurance races. Okay? I, I mean, whenever I think of endure, I think of a marathon runner. Anybody, anybody know how how long a marathon is? How many miles is it? 26. 26. what? Point two. Man, because if you stop at 26, you didn't complete the marathon. That's crazy to me. Right? And then triathletes. I should have looked up the stats on all this stuff. But triathletes, I believe they swim, is it like 100 meters? I don't know. I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw some stuff out there, and you can fact check me later. But I think if you're if you're doing a triathlon, you've got to swim like a mile maybe, which is hard. And then you've got to you've got to get on a bike, and you have to ride for so many miles, and then you have to run like a half marathon after that, man. And then I think about the ultra marathon runners. You guys ever heard of an ultra marathon? Me, man, I haven't either. But there's this nut in my town that runs them and it's a hundred miles okay a hundred miles can you imagine what's up I mean I would probably die if I were running a hundred I don't know about sleep I would permanently sleep if I had to run a hundred miles but that's what I can I think about the endurance man in order to run something like that uh, something has to change in your life Imagine just like if if a if an ultra marathoner decided, you know what, you know, or, you know, a guy that has never run before like myself, if I decide tomorrow I'm going to do an ultra, man, it would it would not be pretty. It would be brutal. I couldn't even imagine walking a hundred miles in a day, much less jogging. Man, these folks uh, running these races, they don't wake up one day and go straight to a race. There's a natural progression necessary to be ready to finish the race. And this is the progression that that we've been laying out spiritually. Man, if we're going to endure at all times in all things, man, there's a progression that needs to happen in your life. Because if you want to be a pillar in the faith, 
then you must put in the necessary training to develop your walk with Christ into one that is ready to endure at all times, in all things. Because here's the reality. In this room, we're all in completely different places spiritually. Right? And in order for us to move on, move forward, some of us, man, we don't have an unfeigned faith. We don't have a real faith. Maybe you, maybe you aren't even saved. You need to listen to the proverb. Get saved today, not tomorrow. Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. You understand? I'm serious. Sorry, I should probably say it seriously. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you if you have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ in your life, I'm I'm pleading with you. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Man, we're burying a dear a dear friend of mine this week. A dear brother lost his life this week. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the day of salvation. Right? Some of us, man, we're trusting in our own strength. We met Christ, but we're good, man. We got our fire insurance. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find myself in heaven one day, so I, I'll just, I'll just kick it into autopilot and do what I wanna do. Man, don't, don't trust in your own strength. Don't try to do life for yourself. Man, we need to turn, we need to turn to the Lord, not only for salvation, but for daily living. Right? Some of us, man, some of us need to be discipled. We need a mentor in our life. We need someone to show us how to follow the Lord. Someone that has been there and has done that. Someone that has been through some things so that we don't have to go through them. Man, there's, there's so much value in going through something secondhand. And some of us, man, some of us, we need to begin to pray about a disciple. Some of us, we need to begin, we need to begin to pour our life and our faith into someone else. But the fact remains, the Lord is calling every single one of us in here. I don't care if you're 12 years old or, or 65. The Lord is calling every single one of us to take that next step. And I'm challenging you tonight. Wherever you're at, take the next step of faith. No matter what that may look like, move forward. Tonight, what we're gonna what we're gonna unpack is what it truly means to endure at all times and in all things by looking at the characteristics of the enduring Christian, and then we're gonna look at a reminder for the enduring Christian, and then we're gonna look at the charge a charge for the enduring Christian. So tonight, our TLDR, our too long didn't read, is an enduring Christian needs the proper perspective. You gotta have the proper perspective. Because you gotta see the world for what it really is. And operate above the influence. Man, if you could just have the right perspective in, in this temporary life, and operate above the influence of it, man, you'd have some things figured out. Lord, we come before you. This evening, God, we need to hear from you. We need you to move. Lord, every single one of us, God, we, man, we, we have, we have something to surrender to you. 
Lord, we have, we have more of us that needs to be yielded. So Lord, I pray that tonight would be a night of yielding. That we would give up the, the control. And that we turn it over to You. Lord, so that we would be faithful sons and daughters. Lord, so that we could be effective for the kingdom. Lord, we love You. It's in Your name we pray. Amen. So let's look at the characteristics of an enduring Christian. So if you have your Bible, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1 so that we can get a running start. The number one rule of Bible study is context. Right? Context, context, context. It's super important that we understand uh, the context of the passage before we get into our base text. So let's look at verse 1. It says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore, endure hardness, as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So let's, let me give you a quick recap of what we just read. So in verses uh, 1 and 2, uh, or in verse 1, what we see is that the enduring Christian is, th- is strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Right? You need Christ to save you, but you also need Him to strengthen you daily. The grace of the Lord is our strength. Verse 2, we see that an enduring Christian always has someone investing the Word of God into them. And they're investing their Word of God into others. Man, we always... Man, you need a disciple and you need to be making disciples. Man, once, once, you've, once you've been discipled, man, begin to share it, pass that on. And then we get to verse 3. And what verse 3 to 7 is it, it does is it gives us the attributes of the enduring Christian as a disciple maker. And so we need, we need, to, we need to consider this as we compare... Uh, a disciple maker to a soldier, an athlete, and a gardener. Okay, so the first thing we're going to look at is the soldier. Because the soldier endures hardness. The first characteristic of the enduring Christian is that they would be a good soldier. Let's read it again. Verse 3. 2 Timothy 2.3 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier... Of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And so, what we got to get is that a good soldier endures hardness. If you are to be a good soldier, you will no doubt undergo hardships in life. You're going to suffer, right? In the next chapter of 2 Timothy, Paul tells, tells him in verse 12, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so here's the promise. If you live godly, you're going to suffer. It's just how it is, man. 
It's just how it is. It's not an if and or but. It's it's you will. Man, suffering, it, it, it kind of gets a bad rap, man. And I just don't get it. I just don't get it. I mean, I do get it, but I, at the same time, um, how many of you in here play sports? Raise your hand. Okay. I know that you're suffering during preseason conditioning. Man, is it, has anybody ever just thrown up on the court, man, running back and forth? I never did, but I sure felt like it, man. But you know why, you know why we went through that suffering? Because we wanted to endure the hardness of this conditioning and this training so that we could get to perform throughout the season. Man, it stinks getting, uh, getting, uh, getting whipped all the time. And, and if you're gonna be an effective team, you, you gotta be in shape. You gotta work together. How many, how many of you guys in here are, or, or gals or weightlifters? Man, I used to love lifting weights before I, I popped my Achilles and it kinda, kinda set me back a few. But man, I would go, I, I loved getting into the weight room, but it was some, man, it was some suffering. You know what happens when you're lifting weights? Your muscles are just getting ripped to shreds. You're tearing the muscle fibers. Man, and we got we got some folks that are addicted to suffering, man. Why? Because man, they they, they see they think that it's worth it to, to be in shape and to get shredded. Right? So what what I'm the point I'm trying to make is that we suffer all the time, man. The things that we value, we suffer for. When I was a kid, man, my, my parents wouldn't pay my gas unless I was going to work or to, to school or uh, like a school function, or, or, and they would pay for me to go to work. But if I wanted to go hang out with my friends, man, I had to I had to get a job uh, so that I could pay for gas to you know we want to go to the movies or go hang out at Starbucks or whatever we did. And you know what I did? I got a job because the, the suffering of slapping pizza sauce on on some dough for you know, however many hours was worth it to me because I had a goal in mind. I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to get to spend time with my friends. We suffer all the time for what, for what we think is worth it. We're willing to endure hardness when it comes to conditioning because it means that we get better at basketball or whatever, right? We're willing to endure hardness in the gym because we want to get shredded. We want to get buff. So next time you think of suffering for Christ, remember, remember this. Nothing good in life ever comes easy. Nothing good in life ever comes easy. It's through the hardness of life that, you know, one of, one of, uh, one of our missionaries to London, his name is Brian Clark. Some of you may be familiar with this. He, he, he says this. He says, you don't get the juice without the squeeze, man. You don't get the good stuff. Until you're squeezed, right? Think, you know, whenever you squeeze a lemon, you get the juice. And so if we don't go through it, man, we don't really know what we're made of. Second Timothy 2.3 Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. A good soldier endures at all times, in all things. Verse 4 tells us that no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? 
that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. A good soldier, what we see from this verse, a good soldier isn't bothered by the cares of this life. Man, that word entangle means to be so entrenched with something that it distracts you from what's truly important. You get caught in a spider web, and all you can see is all you can see is is what's around you. Don't you don't have a, an idea of the big picture? It's to become intertwined to the point of immobility. And listen, I get it. The world is full of temporal pleasures, man. And this flesh loves nothing more than to get wrapped up in them. Man, we love it. We love feeding the flesh. But don't fall for the trap. It's so easy to get caught up in the charade of this world. And a lot of times it manifests in ways that aren't overtly sinful. A lot of times, man, getting caught up in the affairs of this world is... Uh, man, like for me, I, I, can just, I can just get sucked into the algorithm on YouTube, man. I, I, I can just, man, like I'm watching... Uh, I was talking to, uh, to the guys that I'm rooming with. Mike and Terry about how uh, somehow YouTube just started sending me videos of like exotic snakes and guys getting bit by these poisonous snakes. And I, I don't even care. But, but man, I just want to watch it. I just want to watch it. I don't care about snakes. I, I don't like them, honestly. But I think these guys are crazy and I get sucked into this nonsense and I waste hours of my life. I'm never getting them back. And nothing is in inherently wrong with YouTube. I'm not, that's not the problem. The issue is it quickly turns into an unhealthy obsession that distracts me from my purpose. You know? And maybe it's not YouTube for you. Maybe it's something else. Right? But we all... Man, the enemy is so sly. He's a sly dog, man. And he'll get into our lives with something that, does, that seems so innocent. And it begins to... It begins to take more and more and more of us. And we, and we find ourselves entrenched in the spider web. We, we entangle ourselves in the affairs of this life. Another area in my life that I tend, that I tend to struggle with man, when I was young was the, in the area of fame. And, and man, I'm so thankful that I didn't grow up in your generation uh, because we didn't have, like, smartphones didn't come out till I was a senior in high school. And you had to be rich to have one of those, you know. Um, and so, I would have really struggled in, in, your, in your day and age being a teenager because I really wanted to be famous. I want, man, I just wanted to be a cultural icon. And I tell you what, I would lay in bed at night dreaming about being, being, being a rock star. And I know that's hilarious, right? It just, it's outrageous. But that's, that's where I was at. I just dream about it, man. One day I'm gonna, you know, there, there's this, uh, there's this, this, uh, video that, that I should, that I, uh, found one time, and it's this guy, you know, he says, one day I'm gonna blow up, meaning like he's gonna get famous. Then act like I don't know nobody. And it's a hilarious video, but it's like, man, that was me as a teenager. I just want, I just want, like, I had such a, a desire to just leave everything behind and make it big. And man, it would inflate. I would, I would, uh, I would just juggle this in my mind nonstop to the point where 
it, it affected everything about my life. Couldn't get it out of my head. This lust for fame, it eventually led me down a dark path in pursuit of achieving my goal. Man, because you know what happened? I began to, I began to put my feet down this path and I began to work hard and, and, and in the flesh, man, and, and I knew the Lord at this time. And in my flesh, I began to take this journey trying to achieve this goal that I had that was vain. And all it led to was depression, a lost sense of identity, and a feeling of uselessness, man. And it left me high and dry in a dark place for, for a little over a year. Because I was entangling myself in the affairs of this life. You know what happens with famous people? They get, they, they get sucked in to this, to this lifestyle and the world chews them up and it spits them out. You don't, you don't want that. The Lord knew I didn't want that and He had to take me on a journey to show me. This world has its little tentacles wrapped around every aspect of our lives and if we aren't careful, we can easily be overcome by these temporary joys, man. They don't last long. I'm telling you what, they are joyful, but only for a short season. Don't fall for it. For some of you, you're entangled with video games. It's all you can think about, man. But you're failing to realize how truly unimportant it is. It doesn't matter if you if you beat this game. Because you know what? Next year they're going to come out with a new one and you're going to want that one. And then the next year they're going to come out with a new one and all the progress that you made is just going to be for nothing. Trust me, I've been, I've been sucked into that. Some of you are entangled with popularity. You spend all of your time worrying about what others think of you. Listen, I, listen I'm talking to myself too. You spend all of your time worrying about what others think of you. You're so busy doing a dance for people that, that won't be in your life in a few years. You're so busy worrying about what others think of you. Trying to appease them. Trying to impress them. And before long, you're going to graduate high school and you're never going to see them again. I wish I wouldn't have wasted my high school years. I don't even live I don't even know anybody that lives in my state from my high school. Right, I don't know if Patrick Mahomes lives in Kansas, but he would probably be the closest person to me. All right, so I'm not a liar. No friends no friends in my state. Well, he wasn't my friend, but I went to school with him. So, Because what happens is we're failing to realize that you're secure in Christ. And it doesn't matter what others think of you. It really doesn't matter. Who cares? You guys have no idea if I were school in school or not. And it really doesn't matter. I wasn't. But I wanted to be. Some of you are entangled with substance abuse, man. Man, you think it's cool to go hang out with your buddies and, and kick back a few cold ones. Man, you think, you think if you just smoke a little weed, man, with your friends, you're so entangled with it, but you don't realize, man, it's a trap. 
I still have friends that are entangled in that lifestyle today. From when I was 17 years old, they just thought they'd have a little bit of fun with their buddies. And now, and now they can't get over it. They're miserable. They go, they go through their marriages and their kids are a casualty of it, man. You don't, you don't, you don't want to dabble with this stuff. You're, and maybe, maybe you're not just, maybe you're, maybe you're looking at it as a coping mechanism. You're looking for peace and joy in all the wrong places, failing to realize that the world hates you. And the substances you are consuming will leave you empty and broken. It'll make you feel good for, for a short while, but then it'll leave you broken. And let's think about a soldier for a minute, because that's what we're talking about here, is an actual soldier. Imagine a soldier in the trenches. The battle is raging, and yet they're consumed with this thing. Man, bullets flying everywhere, and they're just sucked into this thing. Right? It doesn't, it's a phone, man. It's, it's, it's neither good nor bad. It's neutral. But you know, the world loves to use this device to draw us in. We live in what we call the attention economy. You understand companies make money off of your eyes on their app. They start, they sell advertisements. And the more time they can spend with you looking at it, the more money that you're making them. You're the product. Okay? And so you better believe that this that, that that your phone is designed to keep you entranced. Believe it or not, your parents, well, your grandparents, they didn't have these. They lived a life without them. I know that's crazy. But imagine, right, for a second, a soldier is in 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 the heat of battle and they just can't get off their dead gum phone. Imagine a soldier in the trenches high as a kite, man. What would, what, what's going to happen? He's going to die. Alright, check this out. This is a real video. Right? They're dropping grenades on this dude from a drone. Right? Imagine if that dude was doom scrolling on TikTok while this is going on. He's in. He's in the heat. He's he's in the in the heat of war, and he's just. And then that drops on him. What's happen, What's going to happen to him? He's dead. We wouldn't be. We, we. It would be. I wouldn't show it, right? I would, but this guy had his head on a swivel. He understood. He's in the midst of a battle. He understood that his enemy hates him, and that his enemy wants him gone. Because if he would have been entranced, entangled, right, in the affairs of this life, he, he, he wouldn't be here today. And I'm telling you, if you allow yourself, because we're in a war. Man, we, we, this is a battle for a kingdom. Man, the Lord Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He's going to take His rightful place on the throne. But man, there's a guy, a guy named the devil that is not happy about it. And he's in, he's in battle for that throne. We live in the midst of this battle. And if you're not careful, you'll be a casualty of war. So don't allow yourself to get consumed because we need to endure hardness, man. I know it's hard. 
I know it's hard when you're when you have all this peer pressure. I know it's hard when you when you think that everyone's looking at you all the time and you have a reputation to to to, to hold up. I know it's hard, but don't forget you're in the midst of a battle, and the enemy hates you. We cannot afford to get distracted with the world because it's going to chew you up and it's going to spit you out because our adversary. The devil is as a roaring lion and he's seeking whom he may devour. You understand that? He's not interested in anything less than devouring you. And I'm telling you, the sin of the world today, it will consume you. You can't come back from it. It's hard to come back from a lot of the things going on in the world today. The Lord can save you. The Lord can redeem you. But if you get your, if, if you get too entrenched in, the, in the, the systems of this world... Man, it's really hard to surrender your life to the Lord because you've got so much riding on it. Stay focused. A quote that my friend told me when I was in high school, and I have not forgotten to this day, and I wish I could give credit where credit's due, but we just I just never knew, is live life with eternity in view. Man, that's my that's my motto. Live life with eternity in view. This world is not your home. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ. This world is not your home. Look, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The world's not your home. You're not of this world. Remember, you are, if, if, you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, man, you are, you are spiritually reborn. You're, you're spiritual in Christ. And the Bible says that we're seated in heavenly places with Him. And this world is not our own. It's just, a, it's just a temporary place that God has placed us so that we can battle for the kingdom, man. It's our, it's our objective to reach the lost. The world is our temporary ministry ground. You only get one shot to reach your sphere of influence. Don't waste your life on things that don't matter. You only have one time, one opportunity. You don't want to be laying on your deathbed wishing you would have done something different. That's why you're here tonight. It's no coincidence that God brought you here in this very moment at 8.04 on August the 2nd, 2023. It's not a coincidence. You're here for a reason. God's trying to tell you something. Don't waste your life on things that don't matter. Don't get bogged down with the world system we live in. Instead, transcend the rudiments of the world by staying focused on the main thing. Get your perspective right. Because this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Look at this. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Why? Man, because we want to please the Lord. We want our life to please the Lord. That He may please Him who hath chosen Him to be a soldier. Because a good soldier, man, they just, they just, they just follow orders. We just want to please the Lord with our lives. They're focused on the mission. A good soldier is focused on the mission at hand. A good soldier is focused on the mission at hand. And so now that we've seen the conditions of the soldier's approval, let's look at the conditions of the athlete being crowned. Right? The athlete, man, 
they, uh, the athlete strives lawfully. Verse 5. If any man also strive for masteries, right? This, we're talking about an athlete stri- that, that's competing. If any man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. So the athlete does not get a crown unless they operate within the rules of the game. In other words, it requires obedience, right? So I want to look at a parallel passage here by comparing scripture with scripture. We can, it takes us to, to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 25. And it says, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible, right? So athletes that are training, uh, to win, to win, uh, you know, to win a corrupt, they, they train to win a corruptible crown, right? They're, you know, we're willing to suffer so that we can win state and football. But man, why aren't we willing to suffer whenever it involves an incorruptible crown? Verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. If you're going to be effective in the sports world, it takes a tremendous amount of discipline and rigorous training. And this is all done for a corruptible crown. Something, you know what? Think about, think about it like this. Think about how fragile it is to win the Super Bowl. It's great, man. Who won the Super Bowl five years ago? Anybody know? I have no idea. Do you? Because it doesn't matter. Who who won the World Series three years ago? I mean, unless it's your team, like it doesn't matter. No one cares. You know why? Because it's it doesn't matter, man. That's corruptible crowns, man. After you win it, you're already focused on the next one. You can't even enjoy what you just did. You might get one day, but man, off season starts right after you finish. And yet. We're striving for an eternal crown. May we too exert self-discipline when it comes to running the race set before us in Christ. Ma'am, put down your phone and open up your Bible. Be, be disciplined. Man, if you want, if you say you want a relationship with Christ, you gotta put forth the effort. The only way that you can meet with the Lord is by getting alone with Him in the Word. Man, we're meeting together corporately and that's fantastic. Praise the Lord for the body of Christ and that He's given us teachers and preachers to expose the book to us. But that's not how God wants to interact with you uh, primarily. He wants to interact with you daily through His Word. So it takes some self-discipline. Purpose in your heart that you want to grow in the Lord. And you know what? Man, He's always there waiting for you. He's always faithful. Man, we, we need some self-discipline when it comes to running the race that is set before us. I'm not talking about will worship. I'm not talking about doing going to your Bible so that you can check it off the list and say that you did, you did your reading for the day. 
feeling good about yourself, doing your religious duty. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about set just man purposing in your heart that you that you love the Lord and you want to you want to grow in him. And setting aside some time daily to get alone with them. It's going to take some discipline. Man, if you want to get discipled, it's going to take some sacrifice. You're going to have to give up at least a, a night a week to get to get together with your disciple and meet. Man, the Christian life is, is not one of, of, of a, it's not an accident. It's not an accident that, that your spiritual mentors love the Lord as much as they do. And that they, they give their life in ministry. It didn't happen accidentally. And we're because we're running for an incorruptible crown, and this requires certainty and focus. This requires obedience. And it requires that we would prioritize the Lord over our own wants and desires. Because an athlete is obedient, striving lawfully for the mission. And if we're ever going to be an enduring Christian, we must strive lawfully so that we may receive an everlasting crown, man. And next we're going to look at the gardener, right? Because what the gardener labors... The gardener requires faithful labor to partake of the fruits. 2 Timothy 2.6 tells us this. The husbandman, that's a gardener. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. Man, I, I love this verse. I share it with my wife all the time. Listen up. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partakers of the fruits. You know, because my, my kids, man, whenever the strawberries come on, they just come by and pick them off before I can eat them. I don't even get one. And I'm like, listen up. This is the Bible. This is the Bible, right? The, hut, the gardener that's, that's, doing, that's putting in all the work, he gets to eat the first fruit, man. I don't know. It just drives me nuts. You know, I like strawberries. And... But man, if you're not willing to put in the work, you're not going to partake of the fruit. It's sad but true. If you're not in the field, you will not reap a harvest. It's pretty simple. It's impossible for me to just teleport fruit into my hand. I wish it were possible, man. That'd be pretty awesome. I don't know. It probably wouldn't taste any good, though. It, it, you know, I mean, you probably can do that now with all these 3D printed meats and stuff. It's like, man, I want. But it wouldn't be any good, right? Because if you're not in the field, you're not going to reap a harvest. You cannot get the fruit without the labor. You will not reach the loss if you're not actively tending the field with an intent of the harvest. God has given each and every one of you a field. And you ask, well, what's my field? It's your life. It's what you do every day. That's your field. Every single one of you... Well, most of you have neighbors. I didn't have neighbors growing up. I lived in the middle of the woods, right? But most of you have neighbors. That's your field. Most of you have have friends at school, right? Man, that's your field. Most of you have, have family. That's your field. Some of you have, have co-workers and a job. Man, that's your field. I don't have that field. I can't reach those people, but you can. We talked about that a lot this week. And if you're not willing to labor, you're not going to see them come to Christ. 
Because if not you, then who? Who's going to do it? Your friends at school, they're not going to do it. But you will. Or will you? That's the question I'm asking. Will you? Matthew 9.37 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, Look around, boys. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The Lord's asking you a question. He's telling us something. The harvest is plenteous. Man, there are people out there that need Jesus. How many of them would receive Christ if they knew how? But the laborers are few, man. Nobody wants to do the work. Everybody wants the fruit, but nobody wants to work. Verse 38. Pray ye therefore. Man, the Lord's talking to you right now. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He would send forth laborers into His harvest. Man, I think we got some laborers in here tonight. John 15.8 tells us this. Herein is, is my Father glorified. Sorry, I can't... I, I, John 15 is like one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I can't get away from it. So I apologize for that. But, but he says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that ye may bear much fruit. That's what glorifies God, that we would be fruitful. So shall ye be my disciples. Not only does it glorify God, but it's a characteristic of a disciple. A gardener labors faithfully to be fruitful in the mission. And so when, what Paul is telling us is that the enduring Christian, uh, as a disciple maker, endures hardness as a good soldier to be approved by God. Man, they strive lawfully to receive a crown. And, and they labor faithfully to be fruitful. Verse 7 tells us, Consider what I say. Consider what Paul's telling us here. And the Lord give the understanding in all things. Man, that's my prayer for you guys. May we all seek the Lord's face so that we would attain these characteristics in our lives. Okay, now we're going to look at a reminder for the enduring Christian. A reminder... Now we're going to shift gears a little bit and we're going to look at some things that we need to remember on this journey. Verse 8, 2 Timothy 2.8 tells us this, Remember that, the, uh, that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the Gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the Word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. If we suffer with Him, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. So the first thing we got to remember is that the Gospel is always the focus. Jesus Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's always our focus. Man, it's always the focus. We want to cure the disease, not treat the symptoms. You understand that? Telling people that they're wrong for what they're doing is not going to fix anything. What's going to fix them is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we need to make the focus the Gospel. 
We need to cure the disease, not treat the symptoms. As a Christian, there are some things that need to be constantly at the forefront of our mind. And primarily that being the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, never forget it. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the Gospel. Don't forget that, man. That's power. The resurrection power of the Lord Jesus Christ is its everything, man. Because of His resurrection, we have life. Don't forget it. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 tells us, For I delivered unto you first all of, of that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. This should never be old hat to us. This should never become just another story. Man, it should daily catch us off guard that God has sent His Son to take our place on the cross and to die the death that was meant for us. May that never be just a, ha- just a habit for us. Man, yeah, of course He would do that. Man, that's absolutely bonkers. I can't believe God would do that for me. I just can't believe it. But He did, and I'm so thankful for it. It's got to be at the forefront of my mind because if it's not, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to start thinking about things that don't matter. I'm going to forget that my neighbor is going to die and he's going to find, he, he and she are going to, they're going to find themselves in the lake of fire. If I don't, if I don't say something. That gives me the perspective that I need to live a life of passion and purpose. Don't allow it to become just another thing in your life. Just another statistic that we know about Jesus. Yeah, I know that. I know. I know Jesus, man. Yeah, He died for me, of course. Man, this is the pillar, the foundation of your life. We must understand the gospel is worth our temporal discomfort. Verse nine: Wherein I suffer trouble as an evil doer, even unto bounds or bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Without the gospel being fresh on our minds, it's easy to forget why. Uh, it's easy to forget why we would go through what we went through. We've got to have it fresh on our minds. Paul suffered as a criminal for the sake of the gospel. The Lord is worthy of a little bit of temporary discomfort, man, because for all of eternity we're going to have a glorified body and all of it's going to melt away, man. The idea of suffering, man, it's, it, again, it's, it's looked at negatively in, in the church a lot. But it is a necessary and beneficial reality that we have to come to terms with. Without persecution, the church grows stagnant and stale. Without persecution, people get comfortable and they stop walking in the provision of the Lord, man. Uh, There was this missionary one time that that was telling us this story. Um, He was an American missionary. He was working with some... Uh, with some folks in in India, and and the pastors were coming under uh, incredible persecution there in India. Uh, man, they would they would arrest these guys and they would put them in a cage and they would dehumanize them. They would basically just strip them naked and they wouldn't. They would just they just let them basically um, 
rot away. They wouldn't feed them. They'd just be a spectacle for the town, for the people passing through. And, and, and this American pastor, man, typical American, walk, you know, see, here's these stories. He says, man, I'll be praying that the persecution stops. And the, and the guy looked at him and said, don't you dare. Don't you dare pray that that persecution would stop. Because, because of these preachers, these towns are being reached for Christ, man. They're seeing a guy locked in a cage, dehumanized, preaching Jesus. And they're wondering, what the heck is wrong with this guy, man? Why won't he just give up? And they begin to listen to the message. And they begin to get saved. Persecution grows the church, man. It doesn't hinder it. What happened whenever the, the, the boys started getting persecuted? Man, the gospel, the gospel went forth and the word of God increased and the number of disciples multiplied. So persecution and suffering, man, it's a necessary thing. Also know that when you are suffering, man, you're doing something right. We just read this verse. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Right, so I'm I'm not talking about suffering as consequences for your foolish decisions. I'm talking about suffering for the sake of the gospel. Because here's the thing, the enemy he's not happy when you share the gospel when you begin to share the gospel and make disciples. He will undoubtedly try and game plan you out of the fight. You're gonna experience you're gonna go through it when you begin to live godly because man, the enemy's trying to take you out. Man, that's a badge of honor, man. I'm on the radar of the enemy. That's pretty That's pretty incredible. What a joy to be counted as useful to the Lord, man. James 1, 2 through 4 tells us this, My brethren, count it all joys when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect than entire, wanting nothing. Man, it's necessary that we go through some things because it's going to teach us patience and it's going to teach us that we don't, we actually don't need anything other than the Lord. When our faith is tried, we gain patience, knowing that God is at work and, and He will get us through it. Always has and He always will. Next thing we got to remember is to stand strong in the face of opposition. The next reminder is found in verse 10. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which was in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Therefore, on account of the gospel, we are to endure all, um, endure all that is thrown our way, because our three enemies, man, the world, the flesh, and the devil, will no doubt be working against us. Yet still, we endure for the sake of the lost, man. Because one time, I didn't know Christ, and somebody endured on my behalf. And one time, you didn't know Christ, and someone endured on your behalf. And one time, your friend that didn't know Christ, you're going to endure on their behalf. Praise the Lord for people that endured because we're here today because of it. So that we might reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, and then one last one last thing here that we need to remember is 
It's an if, then, this, then that, right? So, so look in verse 11. The first thing we gotta see is, if we die to self, then we shall live with Him. It is a faithful saying, verse 11. For if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. Romans 6 tells us this. Oops. Romans 6 tells us this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sins live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus' death, were baptized, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we, we shall be also in the likeness of His resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe... Sorry, I, I get caught up reading and forget that I'm supposed to click. Now, if we be dead with Christ... We believe that we shall also live with Him. If you will daily die to yourself, you're free to live unto Christ. Free to live a life that means something. And this is a life of of purpose. A life of passion. A life in which you get to honor God by being a disciple that makes disciples. Man, everybody wants to be a part of something bigger than themselves. This is your shot. Second thing, if we suffer, then we shall reign with Him. Look at verse verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with Him. Romans 8, 16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. And so the Bible is telling us here that uh, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're God's children. And, and God being God, the King of kings and the Lord, like he's, he's the King of all, man. And if we're His children, then we're heirs to the throne. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Because, man, Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. If we be, or if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. And so as sons and daughters, we are the heirs of God. It's incredible. As such, according to Scripture, if we suffer... We shall reign with God as heirs at the millennial reign of Christ, man. Revelation 3.21 To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in His throne. It's pretty awesome. Third thing, if we deny Him, He will deny us. 
verse 12 one more time. The second half of it, if, if we deny Him, He also will deny us. This is not talking about salvation. Because we've got to notice the context. It's in reference to suffering. So if, if we run with the Lord, uh, if we run from the Lord when things get tough, man, we're going to be denied the opportunity to reign. Romans 8.17 And if heirs, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him. Right? We get to be joint heirs if we suffer with Him. That we may also be glorified together. Notice the condition. You get to be a joint heir with Christ if you suffer with Him. But if you deny Him, man, He's going to deny you that opportunity. You don't want to do that. Man, I've got I've got a lot more a lot more notes, but man, I think the Lord's trying to tell us some some things, man. Some of us, man, we need to take a step of faith. Some of all of us, man, we need to take a step of faith. Man, the the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And so tonight, man, before we before we wrap things up. We have some decisions to make. You have some decisions to make. Because again, man, it's no coincidence that you're sitting at Miracle Hills in Bethany, Missouri on August the 2nd at 8.31 p.m. right here in this place. It's no coincidence. God doesn't work like that. It's not an accident. Tonight is a night that you can put down a stone of remembrance and say that is the moment that I decided to give my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Tonight is the night that I decided I'm going to take the next step of faith, man. I'm going to begin to trust in the Lord not only for my salvation but for my daily living. I need to develop a personal relationship with Him. Man, I need an adult to teach me or to show me where to start reading in the Bible. Man, some of you, man, you need a mentor. You need someone to take you by the hand and show you what it means to be a disciple, a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever that may look like for you tonight, man, I pray that you would make a decision to take that next step. Lord Jesus, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your word. Man, without it, we don't have anything. And God, in your word... You share with us your love story to us. Man, that you love us, you love the world so much that you gave your son for us. Man, so that we might have everlasting life. And so, Lord, I pray that we would not only latch on to that life, man, some of us, we need you for salvation, but God, we, we want to live a life that means something. God, we want to share that truth with others. So, Lord, I pray that as we begin this journey, uh, uh, this faith journey, Lord, that we would, would remember, man, in order, in order to, to, to endure, we've we got to have this deep relationship with you, man. And so I pray that tonight as, uh, as we begin to, uh, man, just wind the day down, that, that we, man, you'd continue to, to be at work in our hearts, God, and that you would stir us to, man, move our feet in the direction that you want to take us, Lord, and that we would be obedient and that we would listen to what you're saying. Lord, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, thanks.
the very beginning of tonight's message, Mason said that an enduring Christian needs proper perspective. And so tonight, you've got a good perspective of what this whole thing is about. 